I'm Alon Ben-Mir and welcome to another episode of On the Issues. My guest today is Govind Wavedi, a retired Major General in the Indian Army and a Professor of International Relations. In today's episode, we discuss relations between India and China, Kashmir, and the conflict between India and Pakistan over that region. First of all, thank you for taking the time, uh, and I know this was somewhat a surprise. That's okay. Uh, but uh, we were talking before a little bit about China and India. And uh, my question to you was about w what sort of bilateral relations they have. And you indicated a number of conf conflicts between the two sides, not necessarily, obviously not violent conflict, but nevertheless, they have a number of conflicts. Can you can you tell me what how these what are these conflicts, and perhaps we can take it from there and see how they may impact or are impacting the region, and what is the prospect for the future? Uh, firstly, it's my pleasure to be on your podcast and share some of my perceptions on India-China relations. Uh, let me start with first a very simple statement that the relations between India and China are very complex and they cannot be seen or visualized from one single lens. You have to view the relations from multiple lenses. Uh -huh. Firstly, I like to go back a little bit into history. Historically, what the Chinese scholars say that the last 2000 years or two millenniums, India and China had, you know, conflict relations for a very, very small time frame, for a few years out of these uh, two millenniums. And uh, I'd like to bring to your notice something very interesting. You know, uh, Henry Kessinger, he has written his book, a very fine book on China. And he starts his first chapter uh, with a narration of Mao Zedong talking to his generals uh, just before the 62 war. And he says that India and China have fought two wars before this. And one was sometime during Thang dynasty in the 7th century AD, date about uh, year about 648. At that time, uh, there was a king in India, Hushwad, King Hushwad. And when he died, there was a chaos and the Chinese, one of the Chinese generals got humiliated. And he, along with Nepalese forces, then set right this, you know, uh, successor of Hushwadna, who was renegade sort of a personality. And second time was 700 years later when Timur Lane, he ransacked Delhi and killed almost uh, more than 100,000 people. So historically, India and China has never had a conflict till Tibet, you know, got annexed by China and China and India got the border together. I mean, they became neighbors. Otherwise, yeah. Tibet was always a buffer. That's right. So that is one historical factor which led to the territorial dispute. So this is the historical part. Now we come to political part. You know, India got independence in 1947 and Chinese revolution fructified in 1949. Just two years. Two years apart, yes. Yeah. But the uh, whole, uh, you know, the, you can say the genesis and the political system which emerged are totally diametrically opposite. The opposite, yes. Yeah, one is the <clears throat> communist and second is the secular 
डेमोक्रेटिक कंट्री एंड अलॉन्ग विद दैट केम दी पर्सनैलिटी बिकॉज वैन यू सी इंडिया चाइना रिलेशन यू कैनॉट विश वे द पर्सनैलिटीज एंड टू स्टार्ट विद इनिशियल टू डेकेट्स वो आर डोमिनेटेड बाई माउजी थोंग एंड नेहरू एंड दे समहाउ हैड दी पर्सनैलिटी इशू एंड दैट वॉर वन ऑफ द अरिना विच लेड टू दिक्सटी टू कॉन्फ्लिक्ट एंड ऑफकोर्स यू नो माओ वॉज अंडर ट्रमेंडस प्रेशर आफ्टर द ग्रेटली फॉवर्ड वेंट और आई एंड ही हैव टू डाइवर्ट अटेंशन यू नो आउटसाइड दू नो होमलैंड एंड देफोर वन ऑफ द वेज यू कूड डू वॉज टू लॉक हॉन विद इंडिया सो दिस इज द पोलिटिकल स्पेक्ट्रम नो थर्ड लेट्स कम टू द नेशनल इंटरेस्ट चाइनीज नेशनल इंटरेस्ट आई थिंक हैव बिन वेरी वेल आर्टिकुलेटेड इन वेरी क्लियर टर्म्स स्पेशली बाई द प्रेजेंट यू नो दियर लीडर शी चिन पिंग ही एक्सपेक्ट्स चाइना टू बी ए सुपर पावर बाई द्वेंटी फोर्टी नाइन they may be at best willing to share power with america right so it could be a some bipolar world preferably they like to be the unipolar world at the same time they like to have unipolar asia in asia they like they means chinese will not like any rival either japan or india so it is bipolar world unipolar asia so that is one of the interest secondly a strategic interest the same space Indian Ocean, Indo-Pacific, sea lanes, resources, markets—they are all, you know, there's a sort of competition for these resources. And uh, finally, I would say that border dispute somehow has overshadowed a lot of other things. But surprisingly, the trade has not got impeded because of these disputes. today india china trade is about 80 billion dollars though it is grossly in favor of china i mean india has a deficit trade deficit of 48 to 50 billion dollars so if i summarize i think india china relation are very complex and they always are moving between two spectrum conflict and cooperation now between this broadband how you are able to manage the relationship is actually the political acumen of leadership yeah, on both sides so basically absolutely i mean <clears throat> i think they know that it is going to be very difficult if if possible at all to resolve any of this conflict perhaps we can talk a little bit about the trade but certainly territorial conflict is there and may very very well be there for a long time uh because both have they feel they have a very legitimate claim right like. but they are not prepared however to go to war Right. in order to resolve any political uh, territorial conflict absolutely nor are they prepared to go to war to reconcile their political right. differences right. one is a democracy the other one is dictatorship right. and they basically agree to reconcile with one another on this particular issue right then comes as you mentioned the trade <clears throat> there is a trade deficit we have a similar situation now with the united states versus china that is trump also complained that uh, we are Uh, so we have a deficit of some over a couple hundred billion dollars right. in in trade with China, and that may be. Now, how do you see that? I want to go to the fourth point, that that is a geostrategic right. concern interest. Certainly, China has greater ambition in terms of geostrategic control right. over over that entire region. Right. 
I don't think India has the same kind of ambition. Do you agree with me on that? Well, I think uh, gradually India is enlarging its strategic space. If not a global power, India would like to be a regional power, especially in the Indo-Pacific region. It like to have its own area of influence. <clears throat> but it doesn't have the, the, the ambition to control other countries yes. and the region. Absolutely. It doesn't have any hegemonic and the hegemonic ambition. ambition. That's my, my point. Right. But but China does. Yes, absolutely. China does. And that is a big difference between the two. Absolutely. But I think even that may not end up in a violent conflict because right. they know that there is no solution right. can be achieved by, through war. Right. They have settled on that. No matter how profound these conflicts are, do you agree that they have settled on one thing? War is never going to provide a solution to any of this, so you might as well manage the conflict. Yeah, absolutely. As a military man, I can uh, sort of uh, say with certain degree of authority that we go to war for certain specific yeah, yeah. aim and objective. And wars are fought for victory. You yeah. never fight a war to get into stalemate That's or right. not achieve your objectives. In this case, the you know balance of forces is such that decisive victory is not possible. Exactly, exactly. And therefore, fighting a war will be futile. But yeah. at the same time, I'll have a, I like to flag one caveat. That small skirmishes uh, cannot be ruled out. Like a standoff like Doklam. Yeah, mm. yeah. These sort yeah. of standoffs like, uh, can take place, but definitely uh, they will not mushroom into a major conflict. They will be very, very localized uh, tactical actions which yeah. is not uh, they but may it have. is limited to local areas absolutely, absolutely. and a decision made by low level low ranking individuals right. that, that that is not a national policy that yeah, is uh, they yeah. may have a strategic connotation yeah. but it will be very restricted yeah. and very localized outside this i want to ask you this question now there is the chinese are um, persecuting much of the muslim community in china right and in recent weeks, in recent months. And there's also a significant Muslim community in India as well. Some 80 million Muslims in India? Or uh, more no, like in, 100? India, India has a 14% population uh, of Muslims. and that So that translates to 150 million? Yeah, about 160, 150 160 million. million. It's yeah. a very significant... Uh, India has the second highest population of Muslims after Indonesia. After Indonesia. Well, that's, this is amazing. Right. Now tell me, I know there is a higher level of tolerance right. of, of Indian toward the, toward the Muslim right. than the Chinese toward the Muslim. Am I right with that? Well, uh, there is no comparison because India is a secular country. And you'll be surprised when India got partitioned. Uh, the Pakistan was created on uh, one principle that uh, as a Muslim nation, yes. uh, they can uh, always uh, prosper and thrive better than a secular country. And that time, all this uh, large population of Muslims did not go to Pakistan. They chose to stay, chose to stay in, in India, India, yes, voluntarily. And uh, in India, every religion has equal rights. You'd be surprised that we had two Muslim presidents of a country who were Muslims as presidents. So uh -huh. therefore, uh, there is no prosecution of minority. In fact, in India, minorities are given even greater opportunity 
then majority to to thrive yeah no i'm, I'm i agree yeah. with you so, i think so india is a secular country now china is a authoritarian and a communist country which does not tolerate any religion right my question yeah yeah so I, therefore i'm coming to that coming to your pointed question today if you see china's threat china threats are more internal than external externally chinese are no threat really speaking unless they want to actually buy one right. but internally china has lot of problems yeah and one some of the problems are internal unrest chinese do not uh, you know chinese leadership does not uh, tolerate any unrest any defiance or even religious freedom even the christian they have to go and pray in very very designated uh, churches or areas uh-huh. yeah and chinese uh, threat today internal threat is there are three outlying regions which they perceive a threat tibet xinjiang and inner mongolia now tibet they have been able to somehow control it well because buddhists basically are passive people and dalai lama is outside but xinjiang they have not been able to really get control despite the fact that they have built, had good relations with pakistan to ensure that no fallout of muslim radical or muslim terrorism comes in they created shanghai cooperation organization to put all the turkistan movement spilling over to xinjiang so therefore it is seen as a security threat that this can be a separatist movement or this can be a movement which which can seek independence and as i said chinese internal threat chinese leadership very sensitive so they are seeing uyghur or xinjiang as a internal threat and because of that they have tried to steamroll their policy is steamroll policy that put down all dissent with heavy hand and therefore they have gone into number of measures they have taken they have gone into re education programs they have gone into separating the radical people from the normal people they have almost quarantined the complete uh, you know region right so right, yeah. uh, so these are the measures if you see are basically followed of chinese fear of psychosis of separatism breeding in xinjiang yeah, but, but my my initially what i wanted to ask you that, that is what i wanted to know from your perspective here you have two muslim communities basically neighbors one is in india which like you said there is hardly any discrimination against muslims in india right whereas china has a basically cracking down on the muslim because community because religion is not actually is, part does of that, the does that that difference between, between the two side does that have any effect on one or the other or it's completely separate issue well uh, uh, there are two th- two things you can look at in a way like if uh, india has given refuge to dalai lama to practice religion now that is not being seen as a very positive act by chinese because in their perception religion has no place in communist ideology yeah. so if you see from the religion point of view well there'll be a difference but chinese are also worry about terrorism now when it comes to terrorism they view uh, these uyghurs as terrorist but then they have also their own perception of terrorism while they may not view uh, you know uh, let's say jaish e mohammed as a terrorist organization in same lens as they view uyghur that's why 
when the Molana Masood Azhar had to be declared as a terrorist, they kept on putting the technical hold four times in the UN. So therefore, they are worried about the word terrorism as it relates and as it affects their internal stability. I see. Now, how do you see now? How do you see the future for the for India and China, given the four different areas of conflict that we, that you talked about? Uh, there's, there's no one is expecting to go to war against one another. That is a given. Now, given this fact that neither wants a war, what sort of geostrategic approach they are taking in order to each to improve their position, short of going to war? Because war does not serve the other side's interest whatsoever. Not now, not in the foreseeable future. But certainly they want to improve their position vis-a-vis -vis one another. Let's take back to the trade. India has suffered from 50, like you said, 48 to 50 billion dollars of trade. To what extent, what effort is being made to rectify that? Um, I think India-China relation uh, cannot be seen, as I said, from the one lens. They'll be issue-based. Like well, this is this one issue. Yeah. Based. So they'll be issue-based. Uh, where the issues they have convergence. Uh, they like to cooperate. Issues where they have divergence, uh, they could be in confrontation mode, right? So now where their interests are, you know, coinciding. Let's say that uh, today, if America is predominantly in Indian Ocean region, uh, China will like to woo India so that India does not go into the quad, you know. Yes, yes. Right? So they like to balance it out. And Chinese are very good at it, let me tell you. If you see the Western Pacific, they have always ensured that Japan, Korea, and USA are never on the same page. They'll always throw a spanner in such a way that they don't have one integrated. Even in G7 today, Italy has uh, gone with Xi Jinping on the BRI. So even in G7, they have been able to bring in a crack. So I think how Chinese will play out and how Indians will play out, I'll give you two perceptions. Chinese effort will always be that if India is not friendly, it should never be an enemy. Yeah, that's that's the motto. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So, so they will not like to have a hostile India if not a friendly India. Uh -huh. That is India joining the Quad or India joining a opposite camp, India getting into alliance. They will not like to do that. So, they will always balance out that let India be either neutral or friendly but not hostile. First point. Second point is, they will pursue their interest only to that extent which does not hurt India too deeply. That India is forced to go into the to other react, side. Yes. They will always keep it, you know, in a manageable limit. But yet, they will always keep India under pressure. Because that is Chinese policy that adversaries uh, should be always kept on the tetra hooks. And that's how their philosophy works. As far India is concerned. India also feels that being hostile to China doesn't serve its purpose. Because if we cannot be friends, but we should not be enemies. Enemy, that's right, yeah. And if we cannot have very healthy relations, at least we should be able to manage our relations, have a functional relationship. And I would call it cooperative competition. Yeah, but, but isn't this, isn't this <clears throat> the way I see it, that, in, that there's a deliberate effort by China deliberate effort by China not not to resolve these issues. That yes. is, 
They want to maintain that kind of level pressure, of, of tension yes. and pressure yes. because it serves their domestic purposes. Absolutely. Because and that's the point. That they like to keep this pot boiling, yeah. but yet not uh, busted. No, not busted. Yes. That's right. Because that's, yeah. Yeah. Because <clears throat> the main Chinese issue is basically Tibet. Tibet is related to Dalai Lama. Chinese, one of the grouses, Dalai Lama having refuge in India. Secondly, of course, is the territorial dispute. Now, that dispute now primarily is related to Arunachal Pradesh and Tibet. Largely, what Chinese wanted in the northern area, that the Accenture area, they have taken because they will build the West Bank Highway. So, they are no more interested in any territory. And Tibet is very important for China for the water resources. Yeah. Tibet is the, you know, like water tank of the world. All the major rivers are emanating from it. It has such a large glaciated coverage. And China is deficit in water, especially northern China. And therefore, they like to have full control of the water resources. And also, as I said, the China is very worried about its periphery, mm -hmm. whether Xinjiang or Tibet or Inner Mongolia, because that is a sign of instability. And Chinese Communist government cannot actually accept any kind of instability or any kind of threat to communism. Now, to what extent, to what extent do you feel that China is working hard to, to you see, the relationship between the bilateral relation between India and the United States has been improving as, uh, last 10, sure. 10, 15 years. Last uh, two decades. Yes, yeah, last two decades has been improving. And obviously, geostrategically speaking, it is, uh, China does not want to see India to be too closely aligned with the United States. Right. And do, from as you see it, are they doing anything to impede further closeness between India and the United States? Absolutely. What, can you give me a few I examples? I can give you a couple of examples. Yes. Firstly, Shanghai Cooperation Organization. They have got India full membership along with Pakistan. So that is one of the forums where actually Chinese are predominantly you know, controlling this organization, right? So, we are into that uh, some kind of a organization, you know, uh, uh, spectrum along with China. Secondly, you know, after Doklam, they had Wuhan summit. That was the bilateral between Mr. Xi Jinping and Prime Minister Modi. So, yeah. this, I mean, this is one, one on one, which right. is not actually very common with the Chinese. And they spent almost 36 hours and had six meetings. And right now at uh, SEO meeting at Bishkek, the uh, Chinese president has accepted to come to India for similar bilateral summit in uh -huh. India. Uh -huh. So therefore, these type of dialogue between the two uh, topmost leaders also give an indication that they desire to have bilateral functional relationship, resolve conflict, build up personal bonhomie and you know as personalities count a lot Xi Jinping is a lifelong president and I'm sure he is going to bat through till about 2035 yeah. if not late and Mr. Modi also got another 5 years means 10 years of their interaction definitely will build certain amount of foundation and I'm sure it will lead to at least managing relations uh, from uh, you know not actually veering into conflict but more no. into the co cooperation board. Yeah, greater. I think I think you're right. Yeah, there'll be greater cooperation yeah. because it does 
I mean, they're both you now obviously benefiting from the right. current condition. Right. If you improve it up to a point, right. but not solve the problem. Not solve, the problem. not solve the problem. Manage the problem, manage but not it, solve Manage the it and try to improve it yeah. without necessarily solving Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I want to just switch for a moment to the Kashmir, India-Kashmir conflict. Well, right. this has been going right. from the time India and Pakistan got their independence right. in the wake of the British uh, withdrawal. Right. Uh, and, and to this day, there is no solution in right, sight right. to the Kashmir problem. Right. Where do you see that going? Actually, again, little historical background that, you know, India was a, a, a sort of a, you can say, not a nation state, but it was an entity with number of, you know, rulers and king, kingdoms. So they were always given choice to join one or the other. Yeah. And uh, the Kashmir king, who was a Hindu king, he acceded to India. Now, that's where the start point is. But it was not acceptable to Pakistan because Kashmir was a Muslim predominant state. So they tried to grab it and they sent the forces and that's where the problem started. Now, Kashmir issue also, there is so much ignorance about this. Kashmir has, Jammu and Kashmir has three parts. One is Jammu region, which is predominantly Hindu. Yes. Second is Kashmir Valley which is predominantly Muslim, and third is Ladakh, which is predominantly Buddhist. Yes. So when you look at Jammu and Kashmir as a state, there's no problem in Hindu region, that is Jammu region. There's no problem in Ladakh region, Buddhist region. There's only problem in Kashmir region, yes. Valley region. Valley has six districts. And in those six districts also, the problem is in three districts or two and a half districts. So when we talk of Kashmir problem, the problem is within two and a half districts. It's not in whole of Kashmir or Jammu and Kashmir, which is 22 districts. And India has 640 districts. So the problem is in two and a half districts. Yeah. It's a very, very small local area which has a problem. And this problem primarily was more of political problem because within the political parties, they wanted to actually, you know, have their own way and therefore this led to a lot of unrest among the young people and Pakistan took advantage to start a proxy war by trying to lure the young people or the people who are dissatisfied with the political setup and that's where the problem started. But the problem basically is in two and a half districts and Pakistan has got defeated four times against India so they found this proxy war or cross-border terrorism as one of the strategies to keep India engaged, bleed India, that we cut the, they call it bleeding by bleeding, thousand yeah, cuts. Yeah, but they and, have not really been uh, but successful. But they, they have not been successful. Yeah. And in fact, today, Pakistan is victim of his own deeds because all these people from Taliban, Al-Qaeda, now they are actually uh, causing more problems within Pakistan right. than Pakistan able to cause to India. And last, last instance which happened in Pulwama, when Jaisha Muhammad, you know, they killed uh, 40 of our CRPF paramilitary forces and then India hit at Balakot. After that, Pakistan had got shaken up. And a lot of pressure came on Pakistan from America, from Saudi Arabia, from United Arab Emirates, that you please tone down because this can blow up. This can lead to a serious situation. And Mr. Modi's policy has been that there will be no tolerance toward terrorism. So far, we have been only, you know, fighting terrorism within our own territory. But he said, no, we will now fight it across. 
so after that i think pakistan is on cautious mode and to my mind this problem cannot be resolved for simple reason that it is at the heart of pakistan identity that all muslim areas should be with pakistan so and second very important point is that pakistan sees india as a rival kashmir is one of the areas where they can have you know a situation going but otherwise pakistan is hem tied with india their whole mindset is against india and they see india as their rival as a threat but that is only a virtual reality it's not the actual reality yeah i mean because what is the prospect in fact that that pakistan can prevail and especially in the wake of developing their nuclear weapons uh, so by and large, i mean since that uh, all these conventional wars that took place three times four times, four times uh since they both declared uh, acquire nuclear weapon there was no no we had a kargil conflict but, but that was but, limited but not, that was very limited, limited yeah. because they were concerned but, uh, then, that uh, could escalate but now given that both our nuclear powers the dispute over kashmir they remain the same thing where that's going to go at this point well there are three possible options one is the status quo maintained and pakistan stops cross border terrorism uh, let's stop here for a second this is the status quo from your perspective beneficial to whom to either or both or none yeah status quo for time being will be beneficial to both because it will tone down the tension okay it will bring down you know the uh, level of animosity okay and uh, so if we freeze the issue for time being and uh, make you know the line of control more peaceful that is a interim solution okay going second through. solution is pakistan continues with what it is doing now that has that are going to be responded very strongly because the cross border terrorism is not going to work out at least with the new government and the uh, third possible uh, solution is that long term solution with the certain you know given take is done and this border is, is resolved means that once the sort of thought is with little adjustment what is with pakistan remains with pakistan what is with india but is there a india? clear delineation demographically speaking in kashmir where you can take part of kashmir which is predominantly muslim to to become part of pakistan no but okay. as i said that kashmir has 22 district and only six district are where the muslim predomination is there jammu region but is is it is it a contiguous landmass ah, yeah is it contiguous it has a contiguity and it is and it is adjacent to, yeah. to pakistan yes. so was any discussion because to my knowledge there were some discussions in the past about getting this district to become part of pakistan uh, i am not aware of that because what pakistan has claimed is the whole region yeah and what india claims is pakistan occupied kashmir uh, and uh, there is a line of control which actually divides the two sides but i have an understanding that at some point of time there was a loud thinking when musharraf had come to india for agra summit that uh, where, where we can maintain a status quo and then uh, have a loose type of you know border where the there can be greater interaction between the two sides and uh, and was there any discussion of allowing say uh, pakistan to become non aligned independent state from either side 
नो 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 पाकिस्तान हैज़ नो सच पाकिस्तान हैव बिन हापिंग ऑन दैट दे शुड बी प्लेपसाइड but that conditions are no more there because that was so when, the discussion that we've been hearing before about potentially getting kashmir to become independent state from both side it's not on no, the no, card no. anymore it is never india stance is that kashmir is our part because it has ceded to india and pakistan grabbed it by force india claims the full kashmir well, pakistan is, is harping on the plap side because that doesn't hold good the condition where that both sides should withdraw and same status should be maintained now there's so much a demographic changes that taking place that that uh, doesn't hold good and the one of the uh, you know possible solution was that uh, you know we can make uh, line of control at de facto border but that has not been the india's stand as yet india's stand is that uh, we uh, kashmir is part of india because it ceded and that was how the indian state was created when all the kingdoms and all the you know princes and states they decided to join one or the other yeah well we we're going to have to live i guess with that conflict for a while yeah i think uh, there's no near term solution to that only thing it can be managed and uh, the level of animosity can be decreased by cooling off the line of control and uh, how wisdom prevails on pakistan to stop this cross border terrorism and that can actually bring some kind of semblance or normalcy for time being now just final question uh, is there any um, any kind of peaceful uh, bilateral relations between pakistan and india on any other level no we have uh, the normal diplomatic relations there is diplomatic they relations they have embassies yeah. they have the yeah. ambassador uh-huh. uh, that type of but there have been no dialogue you know between the heads of the state uh, after this uh, pulwama and balakot because yeah. uh, the present government has stated that terrorism and talks cannot go together uh-huh. yeah well i mean <clears throat> this is this is uh, obviously this kind of status quo is not limited to kashmir i think the israeli palestinian conflict is that most many people are thinking that the conflict between the two sides cannot be resolved and they're going to have to live with some kind of managing the conflict yeah, because so, uh, but you see the kashmir the palestine issue is totally a different issue a completely different yeah, it has in terms no, in terms no of in terms of no no solution no this is not that many israelis today believe there's no solution right and and so i'm saying you see that the same situation uh in in kashmir no solution is the uh, solution as i said that firstly the pro- problem can be managed provided pakistan stops cross border terrorism and then comes for the talks uh, but if they keep terrorism on one end and try to talk at the other end that is not acceptable you know that is this condition which i think indian government has laid that you stop terrorism and we'll come to talk and get some solution and secondly our stated stance is that the solution is only through talking and negotiation and war is not the option yeah but when you, when i just want to verify this when you talk let's talk talk about what yeah talk about uh, the number of things that can be talked firstly is to stabilize the line of control bring uh, more normalcy start stop shooting across the line of control 
like what we call it the uh, you know but but the area is still kashmir is still there yeah but um, confidence building measures between the two side you know yeah. that is the prelude to any sort of talks that you exactly. yeah. you bring you set a stage you make the environment conducive but it cannot happen that when one side is pushing terrorists one side is indulging proxy right. war right. you have to set the stage so i think prelude is uh, bringing normalcy around the lana control the you know confidence building measures and then political process can also start and then there can be number of ways uh, which can be thought through and solutions to such problem has to be out of the box you know uh, generally there are no stated positions uh, for any solution well i think we good time thank you i mean we can continue this conversation for right. for a while yeah we can we really yeah. appreciate that thank you for listening to this episode on the issues you can find this podcast on my sanu clark page and stay tuned to my social media accounts for the latest analysis and announcements